What would you do if you were a young woman who absolutely loved to travel? Your family decided to leave the country you moved to, but you decided to stay and you wanted to spread your wings and find your independence in this world. You'd make great friends, you're enjoying your life, and you even want to become a social influencer. When it's time for your birthday celebration, you decide to do it big. But little do you know, this will be the last birthday you'll ever have. Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you, and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. As always, please check out our episode description. There you can find the links to my TikTok and Instagram, as well as a link to help us out over here at Crime Dive. You can also find my email in the episode description for any business inquiries. So I said I would update you guys on whether or not my TikTok has come back and um, yeah, it hasn't. Um, I received, I've been filing appeals like crazy and I actually ended up getting an email saying that <laughs> it's permanently banned, so. But I'm just gonna keep fighting it because I literally did nothing wrong and I'm not just gonna let them take my account away like that. I will literally fight for however long I have to fight. In the meantime, I have made another TikTok, but for some reason my heart's not in it the same because I just missed my old account and I guess I'm just still hoping that I'm gonna get it back. So I really haven't been posting as consistently on that one. It's pretty hard, so. Today we are going to be talking about the case of Carla Stefaniak. When I first heard about this case, something about it just stuck with me so much. I guess just hearing about Carla and the type of person she was and hearing her family and her friends talk about her, it just made me really, really sad. I don't know, I just, tugged at my heartstrings a lot. And of course, a lot of the cases I cover are very sad and they resonate with me just as a human, but there was just something about Carla that felt really special to me. I knew I had to cover her story. But with that, let's get right into the case. Carla Stefaniak was born on November 28, 1982 in Venezuela. She had two younger brothers named Mario and Carlos. Carla was described as being charismatic, full of energy, always contagiously positive, and she was very outgoing. According to her brothers, she was said to be the wild child of the bunch, and she absolutely loved to travel. Carla was very into fashion, and she had an amazing sense of style, and she loved going out and having a good time to show off the style. Carla was just a very carefree and fun-loving person. In 2001, when Carla was 19, her family decided to immigrate from Venezuela to Tampa, Florida. And Carla absolutely loved Florida. She adapted to the American culture very quickly and she learned English almost as soon as she arrived. And she loved being there. In 2005, after her family had been there for about four years, they decided to move back to Venezuela. But Carla figured that she was old enough and independent enough to stay. So at 23 years old, when Carla's family went back to Venezuela, she decided to stay there and continue building her own life in the United States. By 2018, Carla was 35 years old and she had moved to Hollandale Beach, which was only about 40 minutes from Miami. She was single and she was enjoying life. She had amazing friends, she was working as an insurance agent and she was traveling all the time. Carla absolutely loved to travel. And when I tell you she went to a lot of places, she went to a lot of places. Now, a lot of the reason why Carla loved traveling was because she also wanted to become a travel influencer. And she even took some courses on how to boost her profile so she could do this full time. Some of the places that Carla went to in order to build her profile and just enjoy life were Cuba, New York City, which is her favorite place, Iceland, Switzerland, Spain, and the Caribbean. So she went to so many different countries and she enjoyed 
every last minute of it. She really lived life to the fullest. I mean, she was single, she didn't have any kids. So she really did have a lot of time to just explore life and venture out. Now, when you travel for fun that often, of course, you're gonna do it big for your birthday. And that's what Carla wanted to do. Carla's 36th birthday was set to be in the fall of 2018, and she really wanted to go to Costa Rica and take a tour of different cities within the country. So she decided to take her sister-in-law, April, with her. And on November 2nd, they arrived in Costa Rica, and they went to San Jose, Costa Rica, which was gonna be their first destination. The whole time Carla was there, she was posting what they were doing. She was reaching out to her family members, keeping them updated. She was taking all types of pictures and videos. She was just living it up. I mean, Carla was very active on social media because she wanted to be a travel influencer. On November 27th, the sixth day of Carla's vacation, she ended up dropping her sister-in-law April off at the airport around 12.30. Carla and April were leaving at different times. April had to get back to work, so she had to leave a day early. And Carla was gonna leave the following day, which was gonna be her actual birthday, which meant that Carla was going to be spending her last day in Costa Rica alone. But she was okay with that. She was used to it. She had traveled so many times, not to mention she's from Venezuela, which wasn't always the safest area so I think Carla just felt like she could handle herself. Carla ended up turning in her rental car that her and April had been using while they were in Costa Rica and she decided to hire a taxi driver to give her a guided tour around downtown San Jose. Around 5 p.m. Carla's tour was over and her taxi driver dropped her off at the Villa Buena Vista, which was a rental villa in Escazú, Costa Rica. Now Escazú was a pretty upscale community, even though it was a bit remote, but it was very nice. Carla felt safe there. I mean, it was a nicer area and there was security staying at the villa who was going to be guarding at all times. Around 7 p.m., a rough storm rolled through and it was pretty scary. Carla definitely did not like the fact that the storm was raging outside and she was by herself and then eventually the power went out just to top it all off. Carla decides to text her sister-in-law April and she says OMG it's raining so hard we lost power. So she was definitely a little bit scared. She was just trying to remain calm. She was keeping in contact with her friends and family so she wouldn't feel as alone. But she was starting to get a little bit nervous because the power was out and she was by herself. But a few minutes later, it did end up coming back on and she texted one of her friends saying, okay, it's back, creepy AF. So she was definitely pretty sketched out. I mean, could you imagine being by yourself in a foreign country and then the damn power goes out? Just to top it all off, the power is gonna go out, really? At 7.20 p.m., Carla ends up FaceTiming a friend named Keith. And during this call, she tells him that she might go out that night to a local jazz club, but she's not sure because it is still raining and she was also pretty tired. She had done a lot that day, so she wasn't sure if she was going to go or not. Around 8.58 p.m., Carla's still on the phone with Keith when all of a sudden the call drops. The signal had gone out again and it was just getting pretty spotty because at this point, the power was still going in and out. The storm is still raging on. Before the call dropped, Carla told her friend Keith that she was going to ask the security guard at the property for some water because there wasn't any in her room and she was thirsty. And this would be the last communication that Carla would have with her family and friends. The following morning on November 28th, it was Carla's 36th birthday and she was receiving all types of calls, all types of texts, all types of birthday messages on Facebook from her friends and her family. Carla made a big deal out of her birthday. So as soon as everybody woke up, of course they were going to text her and tell her happy birthday. But everybody found it kind of odd that she wasn't responding. And that was not like Carla at all. She was very active on social media. She was always in contact with her family and friends. She would definitely posted a birthday picture or something on her social media to indicate that, hey, it's my birthday, but she didn't do any of that. 
That day, Carla was set to fly home to Florida and her flight was gonna land around 5.30 p.m. Her friends were actually gonna surprise her and pick her up because Carla was having a birthday celebration at her house. But around 6 p.m., Carla still wasn't at the airport. Her friends were waiting around for her. They were texting her saying, hey, has your flight landed yet? Hey, where are you? And eventually they asked around and found out that Carla never got on her flight. And it was at that point that her friends alerted her family that something was seriously wrong. That day, Carla's family decided to contact Costa Rican authorities and they told them that Carla was missing. Now, of course, they did that thing where, oh, she's an adult, she's allowed to leave if she wants, you know, wait 48 hours and then you can report her missing, which I don't know how it works in Costa Rica, but in the United States, I'm pretty sure you don't have to wait 48 hours to report someone missing. They just tell you that in case the person turns up and they don't want to use their resources on somebody who's gonna turn up in a day or two, but you don't have to wait. The first 48 hours of somebody being missing are the most crucial hours to find them. So don't let them tell you that, just keep fighting and keep pushing. 48 hours is a very long time to wait for somebody to turn up. And it's her birthday. She wouldn't just disappear. That doesn't make any sense. If a family says something's wrong, something is wrong. And that's that. Carla's family was actually able to push for the Costa Rican authorities to go to the rental villa that she was staying at and check out to see if anything was wrong. But they didn't find anything. And when I say they didn't find anything, I mean they didn't find anything. Like they didn't find Carla's belongings, her suitcases, her phone, nothing. It was almost as if she had never been there. Carla didn't make it to the airport, but she wasn't at the villa anymore and neither was her stuff. So where did she go? Carla's family and friends decided to take matters into their own hands and they started reaching out to local news stations. They also started a social media page called Finding Carla and they did this in order to get her information out there, get her picture out there so people could begin looking for her. They wanted to spread the word as quickly as possible about Carla being missing to increase the chances of finding her sooner. Carla's brother, Carlos, he decided to request access to her phone records so he could see who the last person was that she talked to before she went missing. And the last phone number that was on there was from the taxi driver that had actually dropped her off around 5 p.m. the day before. So they ended up getting in contact with this guy and they wanted to figure out where was Carla. And he said the last time he saw her was when he dropped her off at the villa and she asked him to come pick her up the next day and take her back to the airport for her flight. And he said that he arrived at her villa around 8.30 in the morning but she never came out, so he just left. Now, Carla's youngest brother, Mario, actually received a call from the owner of the villa that Carla was staying at. According to the owner, he said that the security guard told him that Carla had left the villa early that morning, around 5 a.m., in a taxi. Now this sounded pretty weird to Carla's family because one, they knew that Carla's flight wasn't until the afternoon, so why would she leave at five in the morning? And two, Carla was not a morning person, so she would not have gotten up that early to leave. She wouldn't have scheduled herself to leave that early. Now, Carla's brother, Carlos, he decided to go to Costa Rica with one of his friends, and he wanted to get to the bottom of things himself. He arrived on December 1st, four days after Carla went missing, and he and his friend went straight to the rental villa that she had been staying at. It was there that they were met with the security guard. So they asked him, hey, what do you know? What's going on? And he retells the story of how he said he saw Carla leaving the rental villa around 5 a.m. in a taxi. He also lets Carlos and his friend look around the villa to see if they can find anything out of the ordinary, but once again, they don't. 
Carlos friends in the meantime were being very active. They were continuing to reach out to the government, the US Embassy, the FBI. They were using their social media page and it was gaining more and more traction. So they were making a lot of headway online while Carlos and his friend were in Costa Rica looking for themselves in person. Costa Rican police decided to go to the villa to question staff, but the staff said that they really didn't see anything out of the ordinary that would have given them any cause for concern. The following day on December 2nd, the Senator of Florida, Marco Rubio, actually got back to Carlos' family after they had contacted him requesting help. Now because of Marco Rubio's involvement, he was able to get Carlos' family access to the rest of her phone records. And this was very, very crucial. And they were hoping that her phone records could paint a picture of what happened the night she went missing. Now, according to her phone records, after Carla's phone call with her friend Keith had dropped around 9 p.m., her phone briefly connected to the internet around 12, 17 a.m. that same night. And it never left the villa. Her phone stayed in her room the entire night. So where was it? Why wasn't she there? Where did it go? Not to mention, this goes against what the security guard at the villa said, that Carla left in a taxi around 5 a.m. Carla would have never left without her phone. So how was it that Carla left the rental property, but her phone didn't? That doesn't make any sense. Police decided to question the taxi driver again, and he says the same thing. He dropped Carla off the day before, he was supposed to pick her up, he came, she never came out of the villa, so he just ended up leaving. And police were actually able to corroborate his story. They found that there was no taxi that had arrived at the airport with Carla in it. They knew that there was something wrong with the security guard's story. Police decide to question the security guard once again, and he sticks to his story. But by this point, they know that he's lying and that something is very fishy. With the help of the social media page Finding Carla, they are able to get a huge search done of the villa by the Costa Rican police and the FBI. And they end up going to Carla's villa with trained dogs that can sniff out blood. And they do a very thorough search of Carla's room. It was there that the dogs were able to detect traces of blood all over Carla's room. They were also able to tell that her room had been cleaned with bleach and vinegar. Now by this point, it was starting to get pretty scary because this is not a good sign. Police also searched the woods around the property and around 4.30 p.m., they ended up finding a body about 600 feet away from the rental villa. The body was partially nude and it was wrapped in plastic bags. Next to the body, they also found Carla's suitcase, her phone, her passport, and her laptop. Eventually, they were able to positively identify the remains as being those of 36-year-old Carla Stefaniak. Even before she was positively identified, they just knew that it was her. And this was a very heartbreaking loss for their family. Carla was the oldest of her siblings. I mean, she was their older sister. She was their guide. She was their pride and joy. And now she was gone. Carla had so much life in her and she was just so active and bubbly and energetic. And for her to be taken the way she was, was unfathomable. I honestly feel like police could have found her a little bit sooner because she was literally right behind the property. I don't know why they hadn't searched it before, but it seems like had they searched her a little bit sooner, they definitely would have found her much quicker. Based on the injuries found on Carla's body, it was determined that she was very violently attacked and that she even fought off her attacker while she was being killed. Her autopsy concluded that Carla had passed away due to blunt force trauma to the head, multiple stab wounds, and two broken vertebrae. And it was also found that she may have been assaulted. 
police decided to very quickly arrest 32 year old Bismarck Espinosa Martinez, who was in fact the villa security guard. They knew pretty quickly that he had something to do with Carla's death because he lied about what happened to her and he was actually staying on the property that night in the room next to hers. So he had the access and the opportunity to do something to her. Bismarck was actually an undocumented immigrant from Nicaragua and he was living and working in Costa Rica illegally. Now remember the last call that Carla made before she ended up going missing to her friend Keith where she said that she was going to ask the security guard for some water? Well police believe that Carla ended up doing so and at that point Bismarck decided to take advantage of her and he started to attack her and Carla refused to go down without a fight. She fought as hard as she possibly could but unfortunately Bismarck ended up taking her life and then he disposed of her body behind the rental property and took all of her belongings out there with her. He then proceeded to clean up the room to get rid of any trace of Carla being there as well as what happened but of course this didn't work because they were able to find out pretty quickly just how much blood was in the room. I think one of the worst parts about this story is the fact that when Carla's brother Carlos had gone to the villa in Costa Rica to look for Carla himself, he actually shook hands with the security guard. Of course, having no idea that this man had ended up killing his sister. He knew what he had done and he still shook her brother's hand. That's just disgusting. I mean, I don't even know how you can do that, but given what he did to Carla, clearly this man has no type of moral compass whatsoever. He's evil. On January 26, 2019, two months after Carla's death, her family decided to go to Hollandale Beach, Florida, where she was currently living, and they decided to scatter her ashes in the ocean. Carla absolutely loved the beach, she loved the water, she loved the ocean, and they knew that this would be the perfect spot for her final resting place. Bismarck never confessed to the crime of killing Carla, and to this day, he still maintains his innocence. But of course, Costa Rican authorities were able to see right through this, and he ended up being convicted of simple homicide, which in the United States is considered second degree murder. But he was only sentenced to 16 years in prison, which is insane. 16 years for taking someone's life. He definitely deserves much more time, especially considering how violent the attack was. Carlos' family has since appealed for a harsher sentence, but they're still waiting to hear back from the courts in order to get a court date. Carlos' family is absolutely devastated by her passing and they feel like there's a big hole that's been left in their family. She was such a huge part of their lives and they absolutely loved her. Carla was an amazing friend, an amazing sister, and just a great person overall. And for somebody so lively and energetic to just be gone, it's just awful and it's not fair. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening and watching and I hope to see you in the water soon.